Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. Welcome, everyone. I'm here with Maria Barrios, and we are talking about anxiety in kids. Maria, thank you so much for coming. You have an Instagram page called Kids Coping with Anxiety, and you are um, a mental wellness advocate for children, and you go into schools and talk to teachers and parents about anxiety and how to, how to interact with kids. I'm really honored because this is a, your, your podcast, your page. It's a great opportunity to reach out more families, more parents, more caregivers. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, thank you because when I saw your Instagram feed, I thought, you know, you know what you're talking about. And, and, I, and I always feel there's that authenticity that comes through for you because um, you have a personal story that sort of began this process. Would you start off by sharing your personal story so that we can then use that as a framework? Well, let's see. Let me, let me uh, give you like a short version. Sure. I would say that started when my kid was diagnosed with anxiety when he was only six years old. But have you heard that your kids are your best teachers? Yes, I so, have, and I want to <laughs> ignore that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really believe that through my child experience and all the struggles, I, I relate so much to this that it took me back when I was a child. Uh, since I remember, I have been always being that worried kid that was always overthinking and like trying to control everything and the outcome. So I knew exactly how to handle situations. And I was functional. I think I, I, 
I, I think I was labeled actually like, oh, because she's so nervous all the time. Um, but at the same time, I was very brave. I, I graduated from university and I moved to the capital of my country, that it's Venezuela in South America. And then when I was 25 years old, I had my second panic attack. I, I, I recognized that I had one when I was 17, but in that moment, my mom thought that I was like a scissor or something like that. So that was the same time that I met my husband. And I now my husband, it, I was so happy that I couldn't understand why I'm feeling so anxious. What is this? Where is this panic feeling that, I'm, uh, that, that I think I'm going to die? I mean, where is this coming from? And I remember going to my spiritual mentor, uh, thinking like, do I need to pray more? We are very religious in my country. So do I need, is this a faith problem? What, what's going on? And I appreciate so much that he told me, like, you don't have any faith problem. You are fine. You just need to go to a mental health specialist. And I was 25 years old, so that was like 25, 20 years, actually, 20 years. And um, I remember feeling like, oh, my God, how do I handle this? How do I go to a psychiatry or a, like a psychology? Um, and in that moment, I went. I went through therapy two years and it was amazing. I was like, it was like a surreal experience because I, I know that I had so much baggage and yeah, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. So going forward, um, I get married, I have my, my first child and, you know, trying to, again, to control everything. I was like, okay, so how many books do I need to read? Because I want this child not to be anxious about anything. Right. Okay. So let me control environment and everything. So I went through all the training about positive parenting, attachment parenting, everything. Like, I'm not going to jail. I'm going to be like this perfect conscious parent for my child. But it didn't matter. My son started to feel like very overwhelmed going to playground. Like he didn't want to leave my side. He was literally attached to my leg. And then that was when he was two years old. Then um, when he started preschool, for him it was really hard to make a difference between what was real and what was pretending. So for him, fire drills, earthquake drills, uh, lockdown drills, they, they, they were real. And checking with the teacher and the pediatrician, they said like, well, this is a stage. It will go away. I think it's just part of this um, developmental uh, stage that he is. So don't worry. So then he started kindergarten. And that's the moment that it was like a huge red flag. Um, because he didn't want to go and play outside. And this is a guy that he's very friendly, that he's the... He loved to make friends, and he's very talk talkative, and, but he didn't want to go outside. So I started, like, digging deeper and asking the teacher, why is that? And she was like, I think it's because he's, he's, he said that it's too, too, too many friends. Hmm. Oh, it's probably because he already was feeling overwhelmed during the playground, so maybe this is what's happening. But then he didn't want to go to the cafeteria. So... Without knowing, we start accommodating all his anxiety. 
and without knowing, we start planning like, okay, tell me when the earthquake drill is going to happen. So we will arrive 10 minutes after. Tell me when it's the lunch time. Can you take him to, or can you keep him in the class? And the teachers and the, the school were so welcoming that they said, yes, let's accommodate this. So don't worry, Maria. But then the first grade teacher told me like, I think you need to find more help because he started lying to the guardians. You know, when they go to lunch or when they go to recess, everybody needs to leave because they need to make exercise. He doesn't want to go and he start telling people that he needs to go to the bathroom and he's hiding in the restrooms for the whole recess. And that moment, it really broke my heart. Just imagining that, and it was like a fall, the beginning of the fall, that it was really raining uh, season here in Seattle. And I couldn't imagine my friendly guy just being so scared and afraid to go outside. So I start asking questions, and the first grade teacher and me, we sat down and we start talking, and he said, she said, like, I think it's related with the rain because he's shaking all the time through the window. And I said, yes, it makes sense because he's keeping talking about weather. And he became like a weather expert. <laughs> Lori, he was like, how much 10% of chance of rain meant? It was like, mom, we cannot go this weekend out because it's, there is like a 25% chances of rain. <laughs> and it's here in Bellevue and in Seattle. <laughs> but he was only six years old. Right. So to me, it was like... Oh, it's because he is very smart and he yes. loves the weather. <laughs> but at the same time, it was not com- being convenient. He yeah. was, honestly, every time that we were outside, we started running as soon as we knew that the rain was coming. Wow. So accommodation was um, one of the things that we learned through therapy, that it's not helpful. Because in name of the love, as parents, we try to make everything and design the whole scenario so they don't feel anxious about anything. So, and we didn't know. I mean, again, it's like, and that, that's, that's the main purpose of kids coping with anxiety. I mean, we don't have information. We, even though that, and the reason that I told you my story was because I went through a diagnose as a generalized anxiety disorder um, I, I had anxiety in the past and I couldn't recognize the signs on my child. I mean, to me it was, okay, yes, it's just a stage because it looked completely different. The reasons that he was afraid was the rain, overcrowded playgrounds or too much like noises. And to me were like, well, but that's so simple. And it's not. I mean, that's part of the anxiety. It's irrational fears. I mean, that's exactly um, the, how they describe. I mean, this is irrational. I mean, what's the problem behind rain? So um, I always be, will be grateful to that teacher. The first grade teacher was the person who told me, like, Maria, uh, my family went through mental health disorders in my siblings. I know that there is something else. Um, So please try to find more help for him. When you talk about 
this. I, it's amazing to me because I see moments of my parenting career where I was accommodating. And, and I think, can you speak to this? Because there are a lot of parents who are out there who they, they pull up to the schoolyard or they're walking up to the school or maybe they're putting their kid on the bus and before their child goes, they look at their kid, right? And they go, okay, you've got this. Like, okay, let's think about what we're worried about today. Okay, and we list them off. And then we say, okay, but really? I mean, I did that with my child today where I was like, okay, so what are we going to do if you don't get in the class that you want to get into? How are we going to handle this? We, we all do this where we try to buffer yes. our kids against the reality of what's going to or could happen. So how do we do this in a balanced way? Because we always want to have the conversation. I always want to have the conversation to say to my child or all my children or my nieces and nephews, okay, here's the thing. Um, life is going to throw you a little curveball, and it might do that today when you go into your class and you're not with your friends. Then what do you do? So I said to one of my kids, hey, if you're not in that class today and for the whole year, guess what? What is, this, what is the worst thing that could happen? Well, I'm going to feel really, uh, I, like I don't have any friends. Okay, but do you know everybody? Yeah. Okay. So then does that mean you're in, uh, you, you don't know anybody and we'll be alone? No, it just means that I don't have close friends. Okay, so is that an opportunity to learn to make new friends? Yeah. So I say that. Then I talk to my husband and he's like, do you think she gets it? <laughs> I said, I'm going to ask Maria when I talk to her today. <laughs> that's what I'm asking you because that's what every parent just did today. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Exactly. We all had that big talk or most of us did. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something that I always said during my talk to parents and it's like, um, you know, when you get pregnant and you go through all the curriculum at the hospitals with all the classes, yes. right? Yes. The birth classes, CPR, well, should be a class about um, parenting and mental health. Um, from, I really believe that because we only know what we know, right? Yeah. So what you are doing, it's right. I, I don't see anything bad because what you are doing is trying and every parent it's doing is trying to coach their kids, emotional coaching. And that's amazing because, as you said, I mean, this is a big opportunity to talk and to, to play an a scenario before it happened. That is amazing. But something that I didn't know was that part of the anxiety, it's the repetition and the uh, looking for reaffirmation. So in our case, um, my child was always asking, is it going to rain today? Do you know if it's going to rain? What do you think? Is it going to rain or it's not gonna, or going to rain? And in that moment, I went to my farm. I said, like, look, look, the whole week is going to be sunny. There is nothing to be worried about it. But then I didn't know that I was just feeding his anxiety. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, it's no, like I, I, I see it when you say it. 
And now that you tell it to me, and I'm sure what the listeners, they're hearing what I'm hearing too. What is the difference then between the accommodating and then the coaching? Because so every person's going to go, yes, sweetheart, look, you know, like, is it wrong to, to bring your phone out or to get the weather app and say, just look at it every morning if you want? Yeah. So I think, and again, based on the therapy that we went through, um, that I love uh, all the providers that has been helping our family at Seattle Children's Hospital, um, they tell you that the biggest difference is that uh, when it's the whole day. So in our case, that question was since the moment that he woke up until the moment that he arrived from school. And he asked the same questions to the teachers. And he talked about that. And all the books that um, he was getting at the library were related with weather. So it's so confusing because, again, I was thinking, I mean, he's very smart, but he was like so passionate to know more. And that's the way like his mind was trying to solve that uh, fear. But here's what we learned. Um, and again, I told the, I, I remember telling the mental health specialist, I'm always shouting in her, like, okay, tell me something, because I learned that a conscious parenting do this. I mean, we don't ignore questions. I mean, we, we talk and we have open conversations. It doesn't matter. I have all the patients the whole day. But she was explaining to me the biggest difference is in this case, you have a child that the chemi- chemistry in his brain, it's... Um, it's it's really really extra alarm. It's like it's like the alarm system. It's not working properly. So when he smells like a burnt bread or toast, yeah. he feels like the house is going in fire, and it's because the way that his brain has been wired. So this is very important because to all the parents and caregivers that are uh, listening to to us today, um, it's anxiety, it's normal. We need anxiety in our life. Otherwise, we'll be, as as I mentioned earlier, we will be crossing the street without paying attention to cars. I think the red flag, it's when and how often this is happening to your child and when this is debilitating your child's life, when this is in the middle of his way to or her way to enjoy life and to enjoy what used to be something that they really have fun, like going to a school or spending time with his friends during recess. So... Nothing wrong to, to, to answer questions, but here's what we did. Uh, we learned to schedule worry time. And that was, that was like crucial. I mean, that was like, oh my God, how we you, you just said schedule worry time. We schedule worry time. I we love said, this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was amazing. When we learned that and we heard that, we were like, really? <laughs> Honestly, we were telling the mental health specialists, like, tell me your secret. This is magic. Because at the, during, the, uh, during the appointment, we didn't believe that will work. 
Right. But when we start doing that, it worked. I mean, it was amazing. Okay, <laughs> so walk me through this. Okay. So when did you schedule your worry? So um, we didn't want to schedule that before the beginning of the school because we knew that he was going to be worried about our conversation. <laughs> so, and we, we made like a plan. It was like a plan. So we said like, okay, we are going to talk about this as soon as you arrive from school. Because that was also like a way for him to debrief everything. So we said, you can, we are going to spend 10 minutes, no more than 10 minutes. We're going to spend 10 minutes and you're going to tell me all your fears. No matter what it is, tell me all your fears. And Lori, I can tell you that like three days after, I mean, the, the first days he was like breaking that rule, of course. Oh. And we were like redirecting him. I mean, we're t- I, he was six years old. So we were redirecting him like, okay, let's do this. Why don't you write in a piece of paper or draw a picture? Okay, so you remind that we're going to talk about this when you come back from school. And after like three days, four days, he, he, he was following our rules. And that was the time. And I will say that after two months, we stopped doing that because he, he stopped, well, these together with other strategies that we were putting into place. Yeah. Um, but at least the conversation and the repeating questions and me answering, and uh, that was only 10 minutes a day. So then that really, because here's what I was going to ask you. I have it written on a piece of paper. Like, I'm thinking to myself, I, so when someone is um, over-organized, right? Like they want to know, they, you've already laid it out and they want to know again and again and again. As a parent, you look at that child and you go, what? Like, what do you want to say? Say it now, quick, say it, because you've already asked. And then you get really impatient and it puts them on edge. It gets them to be, and this is just, you know, hey, I'm the first to admit, I do that. I just go, you asked me three times, what is wrong right now? Like, I'm not, because I'm not thinking that this might be anxiety, Maria. I'm, I don't have anxiety. So I'm thinking, what is wrong? Yeah. So if I begin to say, okay, let's take 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe it's not 10, maybe it's five. What, what are you worried about tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Is that what you do? Or do you go, what what did you worry about today? So uh, what we do, it's like, let's say he's worried because of course, I mean, in that moment, the rain was his worry, but then it was salmonella, flu, cancer, you name it. I mean, it was like different because that's the, um, that's the tricky part of anxiety. It's yes, a, the I, overload, the brain, the more yeah. knowledge, the worse it gets, right? Exactly. And, and you jump from one to another one. So um, we, we, in, and you make really good questions. I really appreciate that because I never have talked about with anybody about this. But what we did was like, okay, um, I already answered your question. Yeah. So uh, do you have any other fear? And seriously, it was like, well, I'm afraid that my um, tomorrow I'm going to lose the recess because uh, the teacher told me that I didn't finish my math assignments. Okay, so 
what are you worried about? That I won't be able to play with my friends. Oh, so you are going to play outside. That's so nice. And um, it's, mm-hmm. there is something. So you, you praise them a lot for every small step. And again, it's, it's valid any fear. And sometimes he even laughed because he was like, oh, I'm afraid that the dog is going to chase me. I said, like, that's, yeah. I mean, like crazy things. But for him was, this is a time where all these fears that I have in my mind and I have, have remained silent for so long, I'm free to talk about this. Well, I, and it almost seems like you gave him, you empowered him by moving him towards a very logical way to brain dump. You know, when, we, when we're working on a plan or we're working on where we're planning, you know, if you're planning a grocery list, you're like, you write all the things down and then you put them into categories. And I think that that really helps a child kind of get everything just vomiting it out almost to say, I'm barfing all this information out. Go. You've got 10 minutes. What is on your mind? A lot of people, like I said, go, yeah. You said that three times. What's wrong? Are you not hearing? Yes. And they're going, I am. I'm just really afraid. And you don't know how to manage that as a parent. Can we talk about um, real or pretend? Can I tell something about that? Yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. But it's important, especially for the people that are listening, that it might feel related with this. And it's that I'm talking uh, about the victories, right? But we struggle a lot. I cry. My son cried. My son went through panic attacks during the whole process. So it's not, as the doctor says, magic. It's a lot of work. And that's the key. Because um, one of our biggest concerns, and my husband was very honest with the specialist, said, like, I don't have the patient that she has. I mean, when he asked me the second time, I am like, I already answered and I don't want to damage the relationship that I have with my child because I love him. It's just that I don't have the patient to answer one and another time, another time or 100 times. So coming to your point, it's right. I mean, it's like we lose a patient and it's a lot of work. And at the beginning, you will go through the worst. But then if you work hard, you will see the results. But a lot of people are stuck right here. Because they're not thinking that that's anxiety. Yes. We're not thinking that. Honestly, I'm thinking, so real anxiety for me, if I were to um, sort of say a stereotypical idea of anxiety would be a child, um, shy, you know, kind of removed from a group of people, you know, wringing their hands and just going, okay, not really wanting to biting his nails. Yeah. That would be a stereotypical, um, uh, example, but, but then there might be a moment where, um, for, for me, one of my children, uh, we, we were boaters. And so in the summer we live, you know, close to the water. And so in the summer when we're boating, um, one child doesn't necessarily know how to swim very well. So when the boat comes in and the Zodiac, we get off the beach and we get into the Zodiac, if that, um, the life jacket was in the boat, but not on and they could swim, but just never, they don't feel comfortable going up over their neck. So get in the boat, 
reaching, but can't find it. And it's going, and then all of a sudden, it's just like this, this, it's just, you can't bring that person down. How do you get someone when it's so quick like that? And you really, you know, you really don't notice it. I didn't really notice it until someone brought it to my attention and said, Hey, you know what? That's actually budding anxiety like that. Right. It happened right there. That's anxiety. Yes. Are you aware? And I went, no. Yeah. So, so how do you go and help someone who, who without feeding that moment without, like you said, the accommodation. So can you give me a help on that? And this is a great question because um, that's exactly what happened. And that's the main reason that I really like to go and talk to elementary school years parents and families and teachers, because I think we need to see, we need to learn the signs and recognize and, and see the symptoms because sometimes it's just, it's so, so soft. It's like, it starts like a really soft and you think like, well, it's, it's just a, a stage. So here's what we did. Um, when, so we go to the first uh, appointment, right? After the evaluation and he got diagnosed. And then we were thinking like, well, my, how is my son going to go to therapy? I mean, does he have the maturity to talk about that? And then the therapist says like, well, here's how it works. We need to train you, parents, because you spend the whole day with your child. And if you don't learn how to answer and how to respond and how to avoid or ignore situations, wow. it, I'm not going to be there. So you, you, you are the first one who needs to learn. So then you can coach your child. So here's what happened. I didn't, I never realized that um, it's funny. This is a funny story, but so I come from a city that it's really, it's like the whole year is summer. It's like an oil city where it's really hot. So it never rains. But every time that it rains, we, we need to run because we are not used to the rain. Okay. Talking about when I was a child. So here I never realized that every time that was raining, I was telling my kids like, run, run, we need to go to the car. So I, without realizing my son and my kids learned that there is something wrong because if my mom is freaking out about the raining, something is not right. Or let's say like, uh, and yeah, I mean, so okay. I just like, you just, I just can have, to, I'm writing 10 things down that I do every day. <laughs> Thanks, Maria. <laughs> oh, no, believe me. I mean, when, when, when we learned that, my husband and I, we were like, oh, my oh. God, we need so much to learn. Because, again, it's in name of the love. I mean, you are repeating exactly what you learn. Um, and that's what's um, working on this requires so much, like, conscious and attention and, like, being aware of, of what you are saying in front of your child and uh, um, be, being very careful about how do you uh, phrase a situation, how, how do you explain a situation. And if you want to freak out, you need to learn that you are a role model for your child. So this is something I think is really important. Let's, let's camp here for a minute because most people in the mornings, how are we getting out the door? Hurry, hurry, hurry. Oh my gosh. Hurry, hurry. I mean, uh, 
We're you know, age. one kid, one older person's going, how many times do I have to ask you to not be late, mom? I'm sitting here waiting for you. I got to get to school. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I got, I'm really tired. And I try to get my cup of coffee. And then I'm like, Sally, get going. Come on. It is this elevated experience. Yes. So then that's what I'm teaching her. I'm teaching her to elevate when a command is being, when something's going on, then it's kind of got to be like, hey, everybody good? Everybody good? Okay, good. I'll go back to my room now. She'll come flying down the hallway. Everybody good? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Awesome. And then goes back. I am teaching that to her. Maria, (laughs) nobody told me this. I know I'm a mirror. But I didn't think about this. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Again, I went through three years of therapy for my anxiety. Maybe and I don't like this conversation. <laughs> I mean, that's why uh, every time that we have a meeting at Seattle Children's Hospital, or, I always tell them, like, we yes. need to, to bring this information. And they are doing a, an amazing job. And I know that Children's Hospital in America, in Canada, in Australia, in England, they have, like, they are working so hard to put this information available for the community and for families. But I just wanted to let everybody know that this is work. It means like sometimes we need to break our stigma and all the habits that we have. Um, again, I, 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 every time that my child was sick, I didn't know how I was reacting when he has fever and all the phone calls. And I wish this only... It's reserved in a situation that in the future he's sick. No, they learn to respond in any situation like that. It doesn't matter if it's a math test, if it's a swimming lesson. Yes. And what you said about the morning, I was always like the same, like, we're going to get late, we're going to get late. And guess what happened? My youngest, um, I was always, before learning all this information, I was always saying, like, oh, she's so punctual because she always wants to be on time. And what happened is that every time that we were running late, like one minute, not even late, like before the, the alarm uh, or, or, yeah, that, that they, he, she knew that she has to be sitting down in the class. She was freaking out. Right. So immediately said, like, oh, this is anxiety I know what I need to, to do and that's what it's the beauty of learning the tools and the strategies because even though that my my daughter hasn't been a, a diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder now I have tools and guess what I did and this is part of the, the treatment we learn how to do exposures so I told her I have realized that probably the way that I handle mornings a and my pressure to you to be on time, probably you have learned that that's the way that you need to handle yourself or like manage your time. Um, and I apologize because that's not my intention. I think I need to wake up 20 minutes earlier. So let's plan this. And she was like, okay, let's do it. Because in that moment it was all your work, mom. I said, but I need you to work on this because I, I realized that you start yelling at your brother if he's a, a slower than normal. 
And I think you can learn from this. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to, we're going to do an exposure. And Lori, her face was like, what kind of exposure? Because she knew exactly what exposure meant for brother, right? Totally. And I was like, we're going to arrive five minutes later. And she was like, no way. I'm not going to arrive five minutes later. What's the teacher going to tell me? said, like, I already talked to the teacher. So um, I want you to experience what happened if you arrive five minutes later. Oh. And she was crying. She was in the car. And that's something that we learned, that we know that these kind of exposures are really hard for them because she learned that being punctual on time, it's the way to go. And the rest... But there's no flexibility. Exactly. There is no flexibility. So the first day... What's going to happen, Maria, if she's in class and her teacher, the teacher holds them back at, let's say, in a class and they're held back to go to the next class. What is going to happen? And that teacher's giving a very important assignment and saying, here's all the details. And then she misses that because she's freaking out. Yes. Okay. Her mind, her mind, it's like, it's 920. I should be at the gym. What's going to happen? Okay. What's the teacher is going to tell me? So that's exactly what we wanted to avoid. And she was in kindergarten. I mean, <laughs> kindergarten. So <Literally>. early. <laughs> so it was like important, but it was important to yes. her. And, and that's, that's the key. So we did that for a week. And, um, at the end of the every day, I asked her, like, how, how do you feel? Did somebody tell you anything? She was like, Mom, no. And you know what? Other kids also arrived even later than me. I said, oh, wow. Well, you know what? And that was also a part very important in this process. I said, like, I really admire you the way that you handled because I knew that you didn't want to do the exposure. I knew that you were very anxious about running late or yeah. arriving later. But you still did it. And you yes. know now that you're going to be fine. So, yes. Okay. This is, this is so good because my next, because this is part of my life that what you just did there, what we just did was, is, uh, you know, I can only imagine the people that can relate. Now, take us into where a child has um, some level of anxiety about their friends, about friend groups, about being with someone on the playground. And then maybe maybe they try to get that play date at the end of the day because they're worried about connection. They desire connection. And then they come home to their parents and they just fall apart. Yeah. Because, you know, mom and dad aren't there or caregiver isn't there during the day. And we don't know what goes through kids' minds, whether they're looking for belonging, they're looking for affirmation from people. And sometimes when you begin, when you are anxious, it comes off as being really reserved. Yeah. And, and, and then it's, it's maybe polarizing and kids don't want to be around that. So how do we talk to kids who have that experience? So I think something that we learned that was a key in this process, because it's true, when the kids feels anxious, sometimes they, they feel awkward in social yeah. situations, and they don't know how to handle that, and it, because their mind, it's in, in their worries. So they, they cannot connect with friends. 
So I think we need to do this in steps. And that's where partnership with the school is key. To me, the partnership with the teacher and the counselor and even the principal, it's key. Because um, with connection, it's very important to know what kind of connection. And the same happened with bullying. I mean, it's like, um, is this girl or boy doesn't want to be your friend because why? I mean, what's the reason? It's because maybe you don't have things alike or, or think alike or you don't have project or, and then you dig deeper with the teacher and find ways to connect them like outside of the school or during any project at school. So I think in that particular case, I believe in partnership with the teacher to know exactly what's the dynamic between the kids and if something that um, more related with social awareness about, hey, well, yeah, but Timmy, it's interesting to play with you, but because you are so focused on this, you didn't realize that he asked you to go and play ball or, well, eh, Timmy doesn't want to play with you because he has already a group of friends and it's okay. How about if you go and play with this other group of kids? Um, Because again, this is part of the flexibility. I remember... Uh, so part of the therapy is that we go to parent classes and the kids go to one room with a psychologist and the group of parents stay in another room with a psychologist. And uh, so we talk about everything that we went through during the week and the kids the same with the psychologist. And um, in our case, I remember there were some kids that were talking about bullying and not finding friends Mm -hmm. and they have to do exposures. And part of that exposure is like, we want you to try to connect with a different person in your class. Just say hi this week. And then the following week was like, okay, so this week the challenges or the exposure is you're going to go and say hi and talk about, uh, do you have siblings? So it's just baby steps. So there are like different ways, uh, but I guess that it's a, depending on the situation. And so that's very interesting too, because I, and I would consider myself a veteran parent now that I've got a 21-year-old. You know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been through teachers who, who a child is coming to them and saying, I don't feel safe. I am worried. And maybe they're doing what your son was doing with you, where they're asking, you know, what, <laughs> they're repeating the question. They're, they're showing some anxiousness. And the teacher will say, you know what? You need to go outside. You need to deal with it because you're going to make it or something like that. But they talk firmly and they do not create that safety that the child is asking for because maybe the teacher doesn't understand that this is an anxiety or maybe the teacher's like, you know, I've been here for a while and this child just keeps asking or I have five kids like this and I, it's really hard. Like, it's not a judgment on the teacher, but the question is how, if you know this is happening as a parent, how do you handle it? And then what do you say to your kid in order to help them deal with that teacher that's not coming across as supportive? The third question is, what do you say to the teacher? I'm, I don't know all the answers, but here's what I have done. 
Um, and I did this because my mom used to be a teacher, a first grade teacher, and then a principal in a school. And I spent a lot of yeah, I, I spent a lot of hours there and listening to her. So every time, every beginning of the school year, I try to reach out to the teacher of my kids, and I try to. And I think every parent do that. And the teachers now uh, send like a questionnaire about, I want to know more about your child. Yes. Um, but I do like an extra conversation and say like, these are the challenges. Um, I have noticed that my child is extra anxious because his friends are not in this class. Um, I know that he's not very good making new connections. Is there something that you think on top of your head that can help? Do you think that we need to get involved the counselor? And I believe that when that conversation happened at the beginning of the school year, it's much better because for a teacher who has 19, 20, 25 kids, or right now with the online learning, uh, let's say my daughter's class has, I think, uh, 28 or 30 kids. Yeah. It's really difficult. I mean, the teachers are, I mean, they are not superheroes. So it's really difficult. They, they don't have a background in psychologists. They are teachers and they have a lot to carry during the day. But if they know, and that was something that uh, at the end of the first grade for my son, when I talked to the teacher and said, like, I'm, I'm going to be forever grateful with what you did and going the extra mileage. And she was like, Maria, I will do the same for every single child. But not all the parents approach me. And I need to work with somebody. Okay, so then I'm going to ask you the big question. What about the parent that says, I'm the only family that this happens to? Oh. I, I, feel, I feel so much shame because <laughs> my best friend's kids aren't like this. And I don't know how to deal with my child that's like this, but they, they have it all together and we're falling apart over here. Yes. And there's guilt and there's this shame. And there's this self-isolation that, you know, we aren't, look at us. They must judge us. They must think we are brutal. Like we don't have it all together. What, what do you say to that person? Because if it's that family, if you are that person who believes you're the only one, then you're not going to go to the teacher. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's the main reason that I became an advocate. That's the main reason that I go to, um, and I do it in my community, and now with Seattle Children's Hospital, we're trying to expand to different other cities here in Washington State, and that's why I started Kids Coping with Anxiety, because it has like a broader a, a, a space, but um, I, it's really hard. I was there. I was that mom that during kindergarten for my son, I thought that everybody was watching us, um, and I felt alone. I cry. I feel like, oh my God, we are the only one. My son is the only one who has a, this situation. And um, I couldn't even see how, I will say, second grade will look like for my son. Right. Uh, to me, was that short. I, I, I couldn't imagine. And I remember... Um, one friend uh, who is an occupational therapist and she told me like, Maria, this is so common. This is so normal. Um, 
And that's when I approached the teacher and she said like, oh my God, yes. I mean, he's not the only one. I mean, I, at least I have like 10 more kids in my class. And it was like, where are all these moms? And it took courage, honestly. It took courage because as I mentioned, eh, we are like very private eh, with our life. Um, but then I said like, if we don't speak up, if I don't speak up for my kids, who is going to do it? Right. And I really needed to do it because uh, people just interpret things and they are going through the same things probably. And that's exactly what happened. When I started talking and I went through the, to the principal and she was like, I, I told her, like, I want to bring in a specialist to talk about anxiety in the school. And she was like, oh my God, this is so good. And then we had the first conference and there were like 100 parents there. And then everybody was approaching me and I was like, oh my God, you're in my class. I never knew that your child was going through the same thing. And she was like, me neither. So I really believe that's part of um, that guilty that we feel as parents. And also um, it's important to speak up and break the stigma. Absolutely. So what is it? I have, um, there's anxiety around different things though. Like I'm in some of the research that I've done, anxiety of just being fearful of of everything. Um, Fear of failure and fear of being alone, fear of embarrassment. I want to hide myself so that the teacher doesn't ever call out. I want to diminish my magnificence so that the teacher doesn't ever ask me a question. And I feel very lucky because in our case, my shell anxiety presented very verbal and very active. But how about that child? And that's why sometimes the parents are like, how come I never saw the signs? Yes. Right now, we are, this is the month of a suicidal prevention. And it's... I think I remember, that's how I started uh, the page, Kids Coping with Anxiety, because I met a mom who lost uh, his son because he died by suicide. And, um, and when I talked to her and I said, this is what I'm doing, uh, I'm trying to bring this information, not to even middle schoolers, to elementary school kids, um, families. She was like, I wish I have known this information because I... I in that moment, I will be able to recognize the signs. And I didn't see it, Maria. I didn't see until he had his first attack, panic attack or psychosis uh, attack or um, he couldn't handle the depression. And now uh, I am advocating for all the families. But it was like, but she said, like, but it's too late for my family. Absolutely. It, and it is too late for her family. And, and it sounds like she has been able to offer you, you know, her own experience because you have on your website today, you posted that. You said, yeah. you know, avoiding the topic won't help them learn how to get help if they need it. And this is really, really the, the, the foundation of what we're saying. You also say, while the warning signs in children can be subtle, Learning potential red flags plays a crucial role in intervention. And so then that leads me to this next place of asking you, okay, so 
what we may expect to see for anxiety or for some um, mental wellness. So we go anger, lack of focus, over planning, avoidance, you know, uh, negative. Um, but what is underneath what we actually see? So there's like a what we might expect to see and then what we are actually seeing. And that's something that I think is really important because it's almost like an iceberg, right? We've got all the things on the top, but really there's this big, um, you know, it's just this block of stuff underneath. Help us with that. So that's the thing. I'm not doing this only for the stage that my kids are right now. It's very... A basic. I mean, the fears, it's like fear of rain, fear of embarrassment, like right. talking in front of the the, the other kids. Yeah. But because if it's not treated, it won't go away and it will right. grow. So right. middle school, it's the mix between puberty and like new school, bigger school. And then when they got to high school with all the pressure and um love involved so how does this look like a child that um it's has this fear to not being able to fulfill his parents or her parents a a goal like going to the university filling out the college application or being successful in any sport for example like oh, and maria to just interrupt you this is really a key here because there are a lot of kids who are they are in rep sports and they are working so hard, but they're also expected to do really well in school. And they're also expected to do really well at home. And they're also expected to do really well with their friends. And that expectation, I mean, it's on me. I, I have an expectation of myself. I do what I do. I know what that feels like. So heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So we're putting things on our kids that are really heavy. Some things that you and I, we didn't experience when we were younger. You know, I was, my rep sport was playing in the yard. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I, we were playing football and soccer and basketball. We were playing in the, with our, ki- our friends. I wasn't on a team. I was riding my bike. I was doing all those things. But really now there's so much in that. And just to, to, you know, sort of talk about this because my, one of my situations that we're currently dealing with is our youngest is in ballet. Mm-hmm. And we, I was talking with her one day and she said something about ballet and it being needing to be perfect. And I went, can we talk about that for a minute? What do you mean when you say that? And she said, well, you know, you, it has to be perfect. I said, well, when you put your hand out and you are posing, let's say, like this, um, do you feel like there's anxiety about making sure it's always together and getting it perfect? Or is there a flow and a creative and a movement that you feel like you can be sort of free? She said, no, I don't feel free. Mm. She's 11. Oh, wow. And I looked at her and I did the thing that a lot of people might not be able to do. I looked at her and I said, well, do you want to continue with that or not? Yeah. Because I'm not a ballerina. 
I don't, I don't need to, but is that what we want to do? Is that what you want? Like, are you, and she said, no, I want to dance. I just don't want to do it that way. Okay. So what can we do? So she's doing it differently. Now we're in a different, she's in jazz and lyrical yeah. and she's now playing soccer. So the, the thing is the expectation is so profound and it's at a really young age. How do you walk through it with someone as a teacher or as a parent? How do you walk that through with them and say, okay, it's okay to let that go mm -hmm. because it's really about us. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, completely. And that's, um, well, my teacher, all the teachers at my kids' school already know me. And um, I also believe that because all this information now um, and all the social emotional learning at schools, it's, um, it's doing an amazing job. So now the teachers are aware about this. Yeah. Different story with sport coaches, uh, depending on the coach. Uh, uh, that's, that's exactly where you as a parent needs to play an important role in saying exactly what you did. Because it might be that now your daughter doesn't have that pressure and she continue like in a year playing uh, dancing ballet and she becomes the best one. But it's for fun, not because I need to be perfect. Because I then, because this is something that probably most of the parents will say, like, I never told my child to be perfect. Right. No, you didn't. I never told my part, my, my child that needs to be in a, a professional baseball team or like a professional soccer team or like the best scientific or I never. Yeah. But we don't know exactly what we are saying when we praise them and said like, oh my God, uh, you are like the words that we use. And that's exactly what all this education about mental health is saying. Like, you need to be aware about the words that you are using. And you need to being able to kind of like a narrator, like a person who is describing what are they doing. So let's say when my son is struggling with math and I know that he doesn't like math, but he's very good in other subjects. Um, and he wants to be an architect and he's really good designing things. I always tell him like, I know that you are making a very um, strong effort to be focused on this. And if you want to be an architect, you will find ways. Okay. You need to find exactly how to love math because eventually you will need it. Uh, but it's okay to me. I mean, this is, these are my expectations because you cannot quit math. You need math. But it's, it's, do it in your pace, okay? Let's try to find all the help possible. And if still you are struggling, let's try to find more help. And I think it's being very like, I'm not, my expectations for you is to be happy. So then you're saying that you're not, defining them by what is happening. They're not defined by soccer. They're not defined by dance. They're not defined by softball or hockey or whatever. You're saying one way to support, if there is anxiety there, um, it doesn't mean that you have to pull them out of it. It means that you open the conversation and let's revisit these things because here's what you've said. You've said, 
you have to remind yourself that words matter and that every feeling that the child has is important. Yes. And so when you take, I can really see the value of a scheduled worry session because it brings this honesty and vulnerability into a, a space where it's very defined. It can't run away too far. And yet it gives you a window into what is actually going on. And so then in that space, if it's, well, I, you know, want to be perfect, then maybe the next day, one of the conversations that you have or when you're tucking someone into bed or you're just driving in your car, you're like, well, what does that mean when you said you wanted to be perfect? Like, what do you mean by that? So it brings about an extra conversation. And especially when it's, well, I'm worried about this person not playing with me. Okay, well, well, what does that look like? And we can give our kids, we all have the opportunity to give them a different framework. Yeah. Um, and it's important to validate them. I think yes, that's validation. The validation, it plays like a very important role. Like it must feel really sad because uh, you, you wanted to play with this friend. Um, I know that you're very frustrated because math is not your strength. Yeah. Um, it, t- it might take, a li- uh, I-, I can see that it might take a little more work on your side, but I think you have done the same in other situations. And that's what really made the whole therapy uh, and the whole treatment uh, uh, a success. Because it was like, uh, we ha- every time, let's say, my my child was taking swimming lessons, but he yeah. was afraid to be to, to go to the deep end. So yeah. how this presented was more like I have a stomach ache, I cannot go to my swimming class. Okay, okay. And then it was I have headache, I cannot go. And in the moment that we start recognizing this, immediately I call it. I said like I can tell that your body is talking to you and you are so worried about the deep end because we have already talked about that. Um, that's why you don't want to go. Yeah. And I know that the deep end, it's something that it's really deep. <laughs> you yeah. have no idea what is there. I will be afraid too. But that's exactly why you love learn to swim. Mm. So let's do this. Let's go and do what you feel comfortable doing. And again, it's baby step. So the first day was only jumping uh, into the deep end, like one minute and getting out. But then the second day was like, and I talked to the coach and I explained the situation and the coach was very flexible. So he was like giving baby steps, like, okay, now I'm going to swim until the half of the pool and then I will come back. And then I said like, how about today you try to swim just once to the deep end. Okay, let's do this and exposure. You have done this with the rain. You did this with salmonella and the flu and cancer. Now the fear, it's called deep end. Let's do it. And and he was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And the first time he didn't go all the way. Yeah. And as soon as he get out of the pool, I was like, you see, you did it. I was there. You conquered that fear. And you can see that's exactly what they need, the validation of like, I'm scared. Yeah. I'm going to be next. And I know that you're scared, but I'm going to be next to you the whole yeah. or yeah. the whole way. Yeah. So you talked about the mind-body feeling. 
And I think that's really important to be able to put the language of what you are feeling, where you are feeling it in your body to the uh, conversation. So, right. So when I was talking, I was saying, well, where are you feeling that? I'm feeling it like here and, and, and sometimes it's in my hands. Okay. So what is that saying to you? Well, it's saying that, you know, I, I don't really need to be perfect all the time. Okay. And what does that look like? It's, it's, would you say when you're dealing with anxiety that it's important to pull in and to ask the questions about where the feeling is in the body? Because it's not always in the throat. It might be in the stomach. It might be in the head or they just might feel numb, yeah. like tingly or whatever. So it's not necessarily in the mind. It's a lot of times expressing itself in the body. And you talk about that. Yeah, and that's, um, again, I'm sorry I have to repeat this several times, but that's exactly why I make so much emphasis on learning these and practice these when your child's really young. Yes. Because what you are doing with your daughter, it's teaching her about her body and how to recognize these. And instead of going to take a pill for a headache or to go to the doctor for a stomachache, and um, it's not a problem right now, but you don't know what's going to turn in the future, right? And to just start auto-medicating yourself. Right. Because you cannot recognize what all these pain um, feelings in your body is saying to you. So this is what I do with my daughter, for example. When yeah. she's like, mom, I don't want to go to my gym class or I don't want to go to school tomorrow. Sure. So this, this happened to her. Um, I don't want to go to school tomorrow I said, why? She said, well, because I am not feeling good. I, I feel like a stomachache. Stomachache has been like the consistent uh, pattern in my home, the way that feelings come out. Yep. I said, like, hmm, interesting. And um, so can you tell me more about that? And she was like, well, I don't know. I feel like a butterflies and then I want to go to throw up uh, to the restroom. So, okay, let me check with the teacher. Again, this is a work like partnership. And I found out that she was placed in an um, advanced class for math. Uh, and in this math advanced class, um, immediately asked her, said like, do you think that this sensation of throwing up, it's related with tomorrow going to that advanced class? And she was like, well, probably. So why? Well, because the rest of the kids finish all the exercises before me. So, well, if you are in that group, it's because the teacher thinks that you are capable. So that's okay. Everyone has like their brain works different. But what is important right now is that you realize that your body it's feeling all that anxiety about you going tomorrow to that. So what are we going to do? Because, I mean, that's exact. I mean, that's a knowledge that you have. You have. Yeah. You are in but so then, what you're saying is so important because most I, I'm just going to say me. Uh-huh. I would tend to say, well, you, you know, you're putting that math class because it's important. And it's, and, and it's an advanced math, and that's great. And, and here's the thing. You're smart. You're capable. You can do it. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Right? 
we don't want our kids to quit. Yes. So then where's the line where you go, okay, so is this too hard for you? Do, do I need to move you out? Like, where's the line of the anxiety and then where they can't handle it? And then how does, how does that express itself? I mean, I know you're saying we need to be in cooperation with the teacher. And I think between the parent teacher, that combination or the solution will resolve itself. But how do you get there? It's a tricky line. I mean, it's a very fine line. I know. Uh, yes, it's, it's, and that's what I, at the beginning of our conversation, I said, it's a lot of work because um, it made you discover so much and also about your um, restrictive songs, right? And, and all your emotional history. Yes. So um, I, and you don't want to, I mean, you want a child and I remember this. I remember when my kids were really young. I went to this class and the conference asked, like, what do you want your child to be in the future? And everybody was like, brave, courage, like self-motivated. Say, what are you going to what are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Are you every time that they fall down, you come to rescue them? Are you trying to Accommodate all their life around this. So I, I I agree with you. I mean, the, the answer in that moment in our case was not like, okay, I'm going to talk, contact the teacher and said this is too much pressure for you, and it's giving you anxiety right now. So you need to return to to the general education class. Mm. My answer to her was like, I believe that your teacher thinks that you are capable. Let's give it a try. And I really want you to focus on your work and have fun. Mm. If the rest of the kids are very competitive, that's the way that they handle their life. But the way that you handle your life is that you have fun. And if there is a moment that you are not having fun and you still feel very anxious, I want you to come to me. And I want you to go to the teacher. And it was like a work of, and that was in first grade. So that was like a work of a lot of people. Uh, because she was asking a lot to go to the restroom and the teacher was like, I know that she's scared to go to this class. So that's why I said, when you recognize the signs, that's key because you are able like, to say like, uh-uh, this is no normal. Something else is going on. And it's really, it's a small things. I mean, my, my, in, in this case, my youngest hasn't been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, but because genetic play a, a very important role in this yeah. i need to assume that she's having more anxiety than normal during pressure moments so i need to put in to play all the strategies that i know so it's not about elementary it's not about middle school it's almost about high school and college and the time that they are not going to be next to us so it's providing them these tools for the rest of their life well, you're, you're totally right in this. And I didn't really notice this. I'm a very uh, intuitive individual. And as a parent, I'm really intuitive. And we're very conversational in our family. This really slipped by me. I, I Both Dave and I, we looked at each other last night as I was prepping for this. And I said, you know something? This is the one thing that I did not see. And we had this conversation you know what really brought it out was COVID. Mm-hmm. It, it really brought it out because now we've got kids who are online, 
They're doing their university. They're learning how to handle life in a different way. This is their career, right? This is like, there's a whole other level of anxiety there. And then we pull it all the way down to our littlest, who is, was online school, she and all her friends. So, so this is really, I'm speaking with our family's experience, but I'm wondering if this is others. Because what happened for us was, you know, we had downloaded information, all her sheets, all her math work, with, and her English and different science activities, all done. So she, being a little academic, would just go to her desk, and she would spend six hours pouring over everything and coming back and asking questions. And we brought in a math tutor, and it was through Zoom, and it was great. But on Sunday night, she came to us and said, I don't have my work for tomorrow. Right? We talked it through. The next weekend, Saturday morning, um, okay, so I don't have my work. I still got some stuff to do, so I'm just going to go to my room and do some homework. And Dave said, hold on. We're going to have to talk to you about work-life balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we looked at each other and we're like, we're 45, you're 48. We don't even know work-life balance. And we're talking to an 11-year-old. <laughs> and that was the thing, though. It was this, this desire to be connected, yeah. to not fall behind, to be seen, to not be the other, to not to get together with the friends and to still exercise the mind while working through this thing that's out there that might get our family, that might make us all sick, and someone might get really, really sick, and maybe they die. I mean, this was heavy. Yes, 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 it is. And then, and then the anxiety of not being with your friend group. Oh my gosh. So, so okay. So if we're going back to school now, and we've been through all this, can you, as the last sort of point of conversation, help us disentangle from that six months experience? And now we're setting ourselves back where we're washing our hands. We're not touching everybody. Like, we're still in this mode. Maria? Yeah, I know. This is unprecedented. I and know. I think, I think um, something that has helped me d- during the, the whole COVID-19, and I was telling the same to my husband, it's like, let's role model for our kids. Okay. And I have been very honest um, there are some days that I have have been telling them like you know what I'm sorry because today has been really hard to me I really want to go outside smoky outside I mean we cannot go outside we have a puppy she has been like craving that time outside you want to go outside Um, and I really need time out Otherwise, I will be screaming at you for no reasons. Um, I'm not going to cook today. Let's eat sandwich <laughs> or like or cakes for dinner, everyone. <laughs> like I really need to. Let's just watch TV or like some days. My husband says like they have been in the computer the whole day. Said yes, but I need these twenty minutes to share between us. But I have been telling my, my kids, like not all the details, but I have been role modeling for them. Like this is it. It really gave me anxiety for you to come back to a school 
but I know that during these six months, you have learned a lot to take care of yourself. Yeah. And I know that it, what does it mean? Like you only wash your hands when you touch something and then you are going to eat. Or you wash your hands if you by any chance sneeze and you, so because, and this is something that um, you can find on, on my page. I talked to one of the Seattle Children's Hospital specialists about where is the line? Because uh, right now, there are going to be a lot of cases of uh, compulsive disorders, like yes. washing extra overwashing your hands yes. or right. using the hand sanitizer or like six foot distance. So um, we were doing exposures uh, at the beginning of when we come back, when everything reopened, yeah. um, because my kids didn't want to go outside and they were okay. seeing everything like germs. And it was like, okay, I need to work right now. When you say exposures, can you don't, do you need, I mean, it's always recommended to get someone's, uh, you know, a professional's uh, opinion before you start doing this, this stuff. But exposure can be just very simply, okay, let's go outside for five minutes and come back in. Yeah. Well, this is, so depend of, um, let's say the situation. And as you mentioned, we always uh, recommend to check with pediatrician and then find a mental health specialist. Absolutely. Um, because there are certain fears that, for example, in our case with, it was funny, with the salmonella. So one day we went to um, Trader Joe's and we, my, my son read a salmonella recall, like a Hamas recall. And he was like, we cannot come back to Trader Joe's. No way. <laughs> there is salmonella. Like everybody out of the pool, we're not doing this ever again. It's, <laughs> it's off the list. <laughs> exactly. And he was, I mean, we have finished by that time the, therapy, the individual therapist, but immediately I remembered the exposure. So it means um, it's like baby steps. And it's like um, doing expositions or exposures to situations that create fears on you little by little. So I said like, okay, let's do this. Um, the first time we are going to park on the Trader Joe's parking and we are going to park in front of the store. And he was only seven. So you imagine, I mean, it, it depends, right? And then uh, your father brought your favorite dessert from Trader Joe's. And he was like, no way, I'm not going to eat it. Okay, can you touch it? So those baby steps. And then, okay, do you want to eat it? I really want to eat it. Okay, eat it. Yeah. And then uh, after he finished, said like, do you feel weird? Do you feel like going to the bathroom or do you do, do you think that you get salmonella? And he was like, no, it's delicious. And said, okay, let's go tomorrow. Let's go and grab another box of that. So baby steps. But again, as I said, there are like a certain fears that it's very important to do this uh, from a psychologist supervision. Okay, so how do you do baby steps with friends? Let's just quickly go through some baby steps. So how do you go through, how does a parent go through baby steps with friends? Because we just heard about baby steps with, um, you know, those fears of, of food and expiry dates. Yeah. How do we go through fears with friends? And you meant by friend, can you tell me more about the situation? Um, so situation just um, worried about, they say, mommy, daddy, I'm worried about that I will go to school tomorrow and there will be nobody 
do not take me early to school because I don't know who I'm going to stand with outside until the bell rings. So drop me off, wait for the bell to ring, and I'll run inside. Or I'm also afraid about um, who I'm going to play with at recess and lunch. And so I want to get a hold of someone to see if they will play with me tomorrow. Okay. How do we do that? How do we manage that? So in the first case, uh, you arrive early and nobody, oh, it's only one person that is going to be there and I don't know that person and I don't know if I'm going to talk or not. I said, okay, so tomorrow we're going to drive and just saying, okay, yeah. I'm not a psychologist, I'm just trying to think this yeah. is what we'll do. Yeah. Let's go and drive to a school, okay, and let's, let's arrive earlier, like 10 minutes and okay. let's watch all the people coming uh, into your school, okay? Next day, now I want you, and we are going to sit down in front of your school. So let's say that, oh, no, I'm very embarrassed that you are going to be with me. Okay, so you can do it. And you can do it, let's do it just for 30 seconds. Okay. And then next day, okay, and now I want you, and this is a plan that you need to do it with them. This is very important. I mean, you need to explain to them what's the reason behind exposure. And the main reason um, it has to be very important to them. And it's saying like, I see that this is becoming a problem or maybe this is debilitating you to go to a school. And I know that you enjoy to go to a school. So this is in the middle and this is your brain. Mm -hmm. And there is something that I learned about how to explain the kids, how the brain works. Mm -hmm. uh, there is like an old part of the brain and the new part of the brain and the old part of the brain. And I can send you that information because yeah. it's very interesting. Um, it's the one who controls the fears. And the way that I explain to my kids is like, I realize that that part of the brain is controlling you right now. And it's made you think that when you arrive at school, you don't know that kid, that kid is not your friend. And it's giving you like a false alarm. So let's work on that because we don't want that part of the brain to control the rest of your life. Right. Again, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of conversation. It is a lot of work and it feels like a lot of work. And, and that, I, I, can, I, can, I can see this, even, even with myself going, wow, okay, so that means that I go to the fence, and then I walk yeah. down the fence, they're on the other side, right? And then I'm like, okay, so you got this? Good, okay. And, and we, we do what you're doing. But, but this is, you, you mentioned this before, at the very beginning, you said, this is a mirror. We are, they're mirroring us. We have a responsibility to walk them through. And there are many parents that cannot go and stand at the fence with a child in the morning. They say, you need to get on the bus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there are ways. I, I know you can help that. We can look on your Instagram page and we can find, you know, some really helpful tips. Um, but what? Let me, tell you, let me tell you one more thing about this. Yes. My son is now, he's 11. Yeah. Um, 11 years old, and yeah. uh, when the COVID started happening, he told me, I'm so glad that we, that I handle all the exposures about cancer and um, flu and yellow fever. Uh, yeah. Because, oh. no? yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he's a scientific, he reads a lot. That now I know that we're going to survive COVID-19. So I'm not afraid about that. So what I'm trying to say this is, yes, it, it was like an investment of time and um, 
investment of a breaking habits and learning new ways to communicate and to rephrase our sentences and be more aware about what we were saying. But now, like four years later, he knows uh, the words, he knows the, the, the key words, and he knows exactly that whatever it's the fear that is going to come to his life, he knows that he can conquer because he knows that he has tools. This is huge because this is not a death sentence. Yeah. This is not a, this doesn't define you, yeah. right? Yes, exactly. Yes, so if we can, and, and the doctors that you've spoken to and the different people, if we can catch this early, then we can give them tools. And look, for those parents who can't catch it early, who haven't caught it early, guess what? It's okay. Mm-hmm. Because this conversation matters. Yes. And the tools can, we can start to create different neural pathways whenever, really. Right? Exactly. Right? Yes. So, so can you give us, you know, what do you say to that family out there who is just feeling it? What do you say to them before, as we wrap up? Yeah, you said something very important. It doesn't matter if your your kids are already teenagers or they are in college, or even if this information is for you. Mm. There is, we need to start talking about this. We need to, if you don't know how, I recommend you to go to your family doctor or your pediatrician, your kid's pediatrician and find a specialist. Yeah. You need to educate yourself and know that this is a topic that everybody's talking about. This is not only happening to you and your family, but there are a lot of family like my family and many of my friends are going through the same thing and are struggling about this. And this matter as your physical health matter. And that's the way, the best way that we can explain to our kids. If you have asthma, you go to a specialist. If you feel anxious because your brain is overreacting, you go to a specialist. It's the same thing. So the, I, I guess, and I remember uh, this mom that I mentioned earlier that her son died by suicide. Um, she said, like, my son lost hope. He thought that he, there, there, were, there was no way to help him. And I'm very sorry that I didn't have the tools in that moment. So I think what we are trying to say is that there is hope. Let's tell them that they are not alone, that we are going to find the help. We're going to find any resource. We're going to walk with them through the whole process because um, mental health disorders are highly treatable. I mean, you just need to find the resources and we just need to find the people that help us. I love this conversation, Maria. No, thank you. You made great questions. I really, I never have talked about many details during the whole, our whole journey. So thank you. Uh, Well, you know, it's so important because you're, what was so important to me about you sharing your story Um, and your experience is that this is really what my show is about. This show is about people sharing their experience because it will offer hope and possibility to everyone. Anybody hears this, they can take away the beauty of what you've said. And 
you know, you talked about some really, really important things about the accommodation because we've all done it. We all do it a little bit. We all do it a lot. And we do it a lot in somewhere, in some places and not, and barely anything in others. And then we're, you know, it's up and down, but we need to know we do it. And, and you brought that to light for us. I really appreciate what you said about everything is important, that everything our child says is important. And the one takeaway that I feel I'm going to even do for myself is this whole schedule worry thing. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is going to solve my problems of being up in the middle of the night going, okay, I've got to worry about that. got to worry about that. So I just have 10 minutes of worry and then I'm good. Thank you, Maria, for that. And also, words are important because I believe this so firmly for my own self. We talk in our family about our thoughts and our words and that it has power. And when we speak things, it, it, it creates life. It can create death. It can create stagnant. It can create a lot of different things. And so we want to be listening to the narrative the story that we tell ourselves over and over. And we want to look at our kids and listen and go, wait, 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 wait. You Okay, hold on. And it doesn't mean that your kid is off the charts anxious. It just means everyone has it. And that's okay. And if you see it, acknowledge it. Because that knowledge and that acknowledgement will set them up for their future. I appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you for reminding us that we are not alone and that we can go and see our family doctor. If you have any concerns as a listener and a viewer, you go see your family doctor, your pediatrician, you can go to your school, the, any teacher, any principal, any vice principal, and the counselor there. And anybody will help you and give you what you need. Maria, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I, I'm really, I'm really grateful to be able. I always said, if I can touch the life of one family, of one child, for me that that's enough. So I really hope that we can reach out to many families out there. As you said, you are not alone. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.